From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Nudists, some of them, love mac and cheese. Wait, what? What is even going on anymore? It's just so infuriating every time we do these. Let me go get a glass of milk, some of my chocolate chip cookies, and good old supermarket sweep. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Well-oiled machine going to the 5 o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. He's the company. He's very truculent today. Very truculent. Very combative because he wore a suit over the weekend. He looked like the he looked like the most uh, dapper dude at a wedding we were at, and now he's mad about it. You look great. I'm not mad about it. You look great. Who? But who cares? You look great. Who cares about anybody? I don't. I don't understand the caring about yourself in any situation ever. That's most people. They want to look good. If they're overdressed, that's a good thing. You don't have it's to. It's not overdressed. You don't have to be ashamed it. of the fact that you're. You're just a you know, you're very point. Natalie attired gentleman. You've, no, not at all. But what you've several occasions going back the other day referenced me feeling overdressed. No, it's other people feeling underdressed would be the issue. I don't care about myself or how I what I did. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. MLB trade deadline is tomorrow at three o'clock our time. There's been a bunch of deals made already, starting last week with Louis Castillo going from the Reds to Seattle. Minor deal, David Peralta going from the D-backs to the Rays. Today, there were some more blockbusters. Josh Hader goes to the Padres. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Well, Taylor Rogers, who's got like 28 saves, something like that, goes from the Padres in the deal to the Brew Crew. So I'd say the Padres upgraded a bit with Josh Hader. I'd like to see him make a, another move, right? Mm-hmm. They've got a good team, and I mean... When you think about it, if he can, you know if he's healthy, they're going to get a great trade addition in Tatis at some point. It's got to come back. Uh, Yankees were aggressive today. They went out and got Frankie Montas from the A's as the A's continue their seven-year rebuild. The Red Sox have done kind of both. Red Sox traded their catcher, Christian Vasquez, to the Astros, traded a reliever, Jake Diekman, to the White Sox. So it's like, oh, they're bailing. But then they added hometown hero Tommy Pham, who I think Tommy Pham will play well into the Yankees rivalry, and I think he'll really enjoy the Yankee fans. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He already slapped Jock Peterson across the face this year and challenged Luke Voigt to an MMA fight. What is going to happen with the Yankees and their fans? Well, who's depends who's running his fantasy league there. I mean, that is the key question. We, we, we never got confirmation that Voigt, Voigt was part of a fantasy issue. He just likes he likes angst. I just assume it was. He just loves angst. Wasn't Voigt just sticking up for his friend though? Or and for the against the Padres memes? So it was related to the fantasy issue. Everything stems from fantasy sports. That's how it is. Very important part of it. So we got cut off earlier. We're talking about philosophy. When you're near the dance floor, what do you do? You're constant rebuild guy. True. You love rebuilding. Love it. If you have 80 wins, you can't win a World Series. So don't try to get to 88 and make the playoffs because you got no shot, which has actually been disproven over the years that there are plenty of wildcard teams now that there's 14 wildcards. 
There's plenty of wild card teams that have that have come through. Well, it's often wild card teams that add and and try to get better and then right. go away. Right. It's it's the I mean it's actually it's kind of the the debate that's being played out with the 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 whole Rams and Vikings kind of craziness of you know <laughs> Quessy kind of learning how to be a GM in Minnesota, but saying the quiet part out loud of yeah we don't want to be a team that tries to win one Super Bowl. We want to have six seven tries that you could potentially win a Super Bowl. And that is, you know, I don't think you're supposed to tell the fans that, but he's just a very smart person who is very analytical about things. So he, he's okay with just saying it out loud. Like that should be the goal. Like you're not, tr- you do want to win one. That's the, the ultimate goal is to win a title, but your better chance to do that is to have a good team for six or seven years than it is. We're throwing everything at this one season to try to win it. And I think that is probably the proper way to go about it. I think if you ask Royals fans, they're fine with the Royals. Sucking for 10 years, being good for three, and sucking again for seven. If you win the title. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think that is the goal, to try to win one. But I actually think it's interesting. People will get on the Twins for never winning in the playoffs. Uh, if I were a Royals fan, I'd rather have, I mean, I get whatever. I'd rather have 18 years where you feel like you have a shot than three. But well, to, and, to each his own. Yeah. And, and mathematically, you have, you, give it, you have a better shot if you go to the playoffs a bunch of times. And can build sustained success instead of everything all in one. I mean, there there is several different philosophies, and nobody's necessarily right or wrong. But that is always the question: Can you win it? And the Orioles are doing that right now, right? They're close, but they're not probably not going to make it. So why not try to win down the road? Number four. I don't think anyone's ever said this before, but reading your headline, I thought today Aaron Rodgers equals Adam Hill. Your headline was Adam Rogers basically says people aren't smart enough to get his stupid tattoo. Yes. I feel like that's your attitude with most things you talk about, that people aren't smart enough to get what you're saying. It's true. Okay. That's your show philosophy. Yeah, that's why I'm that's that's a magical pretty, formula for a host. Pretty similar as we, to as we bicker over what radio is all about. So what's his stupid tattoo? I'm pretty similar to Aaron Rodgers in that regard. It's a weird, like giant astrological type sign with two lions and one is angry and one is content and then there's a lot of stars and different like designs and shapes and lines sweet tattoo dude it's incredibly stupid i think most tattoos are stupid though maybe you're stupid you're too dumb to get that tattoo maybe but you, I, you just don't even buy you don't even want to think about it or buy into it that's your problem because you just said tattoos are stupid for the most part i yeah. mean there's some that are fine and some some people are enhanced by tattoos that they put on themselves. Right. This one just looks ridiculous. Like I would look cool with it, like a good, like a tribal tattoo all no. over my arm. It would blend naturally with my skin color and my tone. No, it wouldn't. No? Uh, okay, that's have you, it. Have you looked at his tattoo? I, no. It's incredibly intricate. Okay. There's a there's a lot going on. It's a whole lifestyle. Like I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge. I don't get angry at people. If you want to have your whole, you know, your your back, your arm, it's, it's cool. First, and, and, it's it's me, first and, one. It mean, and it means something to them, so that's fine. You know, it's his first one, so it's not really a lifestyle. Well, I mean, based on his outfit, his Con Air outfit last week, I think he's going to be tatted up pretty good over the next fifteen years. You think he's going to continue to make it happen? Well, could this be? Is this like, hey, you go from Danica? I, does Danica have tattoos? Do we know? She's taking some photos there's, and bathing suits and there's stuff. There's like an eye. Ari, can a, we do some research on that? Maybe uh, maybe the new lady friend is a big tattoo chick. That an, happens, too. There's an eye. There's a compass. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like it's a real conversation piece. Look. 
I don't want to look. I don't. I don't. Look I, don't I don't. I don't. I've never. It, it looks awesome. That's a great tattoo. But I, he's right. <laughs> it's not being dumb. I'm so disinterested. I don't even want to, like, give him the satisfaction of yeah, talking about it when he's right, never going to hear about it. Right. He's never going to talk to me. So I'm going to break down his tattoo. I mean, you remember the like the worst tattoo we ever saw was an MMA with Alan Belcher, and he had he had, a, he had a Johnny one? Cash tattoo. It was. Horrendous, but for him, I got maybe he liked it, and it turned out to be a good conversation piece. Well, I think he thought it was dumb too. I think he knew it was dumb. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> it can be kidding. it can be a comedic piece too. But I I see Rogers like doing just a, there's a lot of philosophical conversation coming up after his career, and a tattoo is a great thing. Tattoo people can bond. It's it's wonderful. If you have a tattoo, I don't think you're stupid, Adam Hill. So does. Aaron Rodgers on his tattoo said. If you're not a student of astrology, there's going to be some weird things in there. I'm out. Number three. I'm out. I can't, I'm not doing this. I'm out. Okay. I'm out. He believes he's smarter than most people, so that you know what's awesome about that? You go ahead thinking that. Brilliant guy. So let's deep dive. Let's try to be smart about the Deshaun Watson suspension. Look at First of all, Deshaun tattoo. As that would be something very over the top right now. That might get you some attention. You just don't get it. Should we make a fantasy football bet and the loser has to get Deshaun Watson? No, because I don't tank. You would do it on purpose. Yeah, I would tank. Six-game suspension, which, as we pointed out before the season, 23. it's really 23 because he was told he couldn't play last year, whether it was the NFL or the Texans. So it's 23. A lot of people think six looks... Very light. This is not done yet, though. As John Von Toll was just talking about 10 minutes ago, the NFL can appeal their their arbitrator, who was brought in from the outside, they can appeal that decision. The okay. NFLPA said yesterday, whatever it is, we're good with it. And the NFL really should cooperate. Is Raj really going to drag this thing out another two and a half weeks and try to tack on a lot more and then risk getting Bradyed? And being taken to federal court by Watson? There's a lot of interesting questions there. Now, we also have learned recently in the last hour or two, or I guess a couple hours, that there were last-minute settlement talks, and the league offered Watson 12 games and a $10 million fine, and he said, no, nah, I'm good. Wow. But the league... So then clearly they're going to appeal this. You would think so. Wow. But again, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say again, you should... No matter how angry you are at Watson, you should be angry at this potential appeals process. The league is going to hear it themselves and then decide on it themselves, which why do they go through this whole thing anyway? And by the way, they announced, was it 10 years ago now, it's a six-game suspension no matter what. And they just went through two years of processes and hearings and interviews and a independent arbitrator to come up with, yeah, you're... Your penalty is six games, so this penalty is six games. What? Why have we gone through all this stuff already? We're going to go through even more now, drag it on even more, but I think they will because I think part of what the NFL wanted with this process was to go through this process, have somebody independent do it, quote-unquote independent, and then gauge what public reaction is yep. and then decide what they're going to do. And so right now there's all this outrage from the public, so I think the league will appeal it. And then they will hear hear it themselves and then give them whatever penalty they want, which is preposterous. It's an insane system. And they're going to do this 
and then they will get sued, and it'll play out in federal court, and they'll probably be made to look foolish. Because I'll go back again. Part of the John Gruden hearing to tie in that suit against the league, when they went into court, and I was in the courtroom sitting basically right next to John Gruden when this happened, the judge said, I'm going... I'm not going to throw this out. I'm not going to send it to an arbitrator. Your system, NFL, is insane. Right. You shouldn't be hearing that. Why would you be hearing a case involving you? That's nuts. And so now we're going to have that happen again. And I'm sure Deshaun Watson's side will sue, and they should. So what could happen here is they render their own judgment. They try to suspend him for 12 games, fine him $10 million, and he plays week one. He gets an injunction, and he's playing. It's very possible. <laughs> and then you wonder, sportsbooks are like, wait, what? We can't hang any number right now. No, because you won't know what it could possibly, those, the penalty could come he down. He might play 17 games. And, by, and here, by, here's the other one, because I do think the Kamara thing is going to be pushed back a year because I think they're going to they're gonna have continuances and have that pushed back. Yeah. But if Kamara does, if there is resolution in his case, he'll be he'll be suspended six games also. Potentially soon. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's after the year. But potentially soon, a Kamara six-game suspension can come down, and you'll hear all the people say, six games for beating somebody up in a club and six games. Yes, because, by the way, that is the idiocy. Remember how much they were applauded for their six? It's always six games, and it never has been. But all of a sudden it is, and it's a a preposterous rule. And as much as we get on Adam for being minutia rules guy, he said it that day. He's like, this is going to blow up in their face. So often, and then every time this comes up, you're like, six games, six games, six games. Like every six months, you go back to your material from when they said six games. Because <laughs> well, it's, it's so easy. It's evergreen. <laughs> Number two. Who did valuation of the franchises this time? Forbes. Forbes. Raiders are only 15th. Yeah. Wow. But it's a massive increase from what their value was. Cowboys number one. What are the Raiders worth now? Are they north of three billion? Just over four. What billion dollars? And the the uh, the valuation of all these teams changed because the Broncos went for nearly five billion dollars. Yeah, went for far more than what their valuation was, which means everybody else gets bumped up the same. Now I was told uh, that if they were going the market, the sale price would probably be about six billion dollars for the Raiders. Wow. But they are not going. They're, again, it's just hypothetical. They're not going on the market. What does Davis actually own? Do you know? Sorry to put you what on percent? the uh, I thought it was just under 50. Just under. Or maybe, well, his mother also owns some, so I'm not sure exactly what the intricacies are. Man, I'd want to cash out some of that. Why? Just because. I, I want the liquid assets. But I guess you can get a loan when you have a property that's uh, worth $6 billion. He's doing all right. You think so? Thanks. Seems to be living a life. This be okay. MD's doing okay. I, I know. I mean, not, not that it's the most fancy. I know he was. He seen, the, is he in the summit too? Oh, no, he he bought in the summit, and then he built the the mini. Uh, he's still in his temporary location, which I don't. think Well, he's but he's say. building in Henderson because he sold out of the yeah. summit, and then we just found out in the last week that Mark Wahlberg bought a, a just a piece of. I think it was two lots. Yeah. For fifteen million dollars. Yeah, that summit's pretty nice. And we know where Mr. Davis has been, has been. Oh, Mr. D, he's called now by Josh McDaniels. We know where Mr. D has been staying for a while. His temporary housing that he's still in. And I know uh, last night a friend, a friend of ours, uh, ran into him at dinner. Oh, really? He's just living. He's just living his best life. Going out to dinner, hanging out, having a good time. Going to the Aces game, getting ready to celebrate a title there. Just a good time to be Mr. D. 
number one. You know, I wonder what you fancy NFL writers choose to tweet about and talk about and reveal from going to practice. I think it's very interesting. I'm out there at practice. I'll tell you one thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that I would judge one day of reps and body language and report it. (laughs) I thought it was very interesting. Over the weekend, there was like a a big discussion about how Alex Leatherwood looked, I guess, sort of mopey and down in the dumps. And then when he came in, I I don't know. You're saying he looked like Alex Leatherwood? Yeah. When I read that, I was like, okay. I mean, it's. So what do, you, what do you think of that reporting? Well, first of all, listen to Leatherwood. We put a couple of cuts here together, and he's not, he's not a loquacious guy. He's just, you know, he was talking about ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just all about going in um, each day and just uh, keep me head down and working. Make the main thing the main thing, you know what I mean? Just um, me do my work, they do their work, you know. Just have fun, compete. Basically, just try not to get too high, too low, you know what I mean? Just um, stay grounded, you know what I mean? It's going well. I mean, I'm human, so we all got our like, ups and downs, stuff like that, but overall, I feel good. Okay. I'll say this. I'm hearing it in the audio for the first time. Sounds way different than it did watching it. Okay, so we needed to see the body language? Maybe. I mean, sitting in the room, like it's, it's often different. I'll, I'll say there was a interview I did today where I was like, that was awesome. That was great. And then I went to transcribe it, and I said, what is this? <laughs> so, like, it is different to be around the person in the room, and I thought... I did think Alex Otherwood was kind of hunched, and if you talk about the you know the body language thing all the time, like just kind of looked like he didn't want to be there. But then you listen to it, it sounds like he's he's kind of upbeat. Even he's in a fight here, yeah, and he's probably not winning it he's, at this moment. He's losing right now, right? He's down, you know, to Brandon Parker out right after two rounds, and they, and it's say it again. He's down twenty eighteen after okay. two rounds, and it looks like there's some guard candidates who stepped up, so it's not like he's going to automatically slide in and start. And the Raiders could be looking around to see who's out there. They could. They might not be happy with any of their tackles. Josh McDaniels wouldn't say right, that. Here right, he, here right he, tackles. Yeah, here he, well, they like their left tackle, yeah. I hope, right? Uh, here he is just talking about the O-line in general. Anytime you have an opportunity to get into pads, there's going to be some things on the very first day that are sloppy, which we saw that the other day. And then the second day was better, you know, and now we've had, you know, a day off and a shells day, and now we're going to come back into them today. So I know those guys really are eager to take the opportunities that we have in full pads to try to work on those things because, you know, you just can't simulate that. So right now across the line, You've got Colt Miller, left tackle. Left guard is Johnny Simpson. Center. Mm. What? <laughs> there's mm, there? I thought Andre James was settled. He's, he's pretty settled, but there's a lot of reps for young Dylan Parham, although his snaps aren't are still a work in progress. You're very critical. As a former offensive lineman with like a dancing True. bear, you are with your goggles. True. Right guard? No, that that's the superstar. You guys all love Lester Cotton. Hold on. Hold on. What? All? I feel like you're a Lester Cotton guy. Uh, yes, for two years now. Okay, you should you should get credit that you were on the Lester Cotton bandwagon way early. Yes, a mauler in practice. Yes, and then right tackle Brandon Parker. Sure, well, that doesn't that didn't sound that pause was weird. Okay, so nothing settled yet. No, very very. Uh, Colton Miller left tackle settled. We saw we saw the last two days. Thayer Munford getting a lot of reps. Ooh, it's a good competition. But to your point, they're not all going to be playing at the Hall of Fame game. At least we don't think so. I think some of them will be held out. We'll get an update on that on the way back. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570 9000. 
Love his attitude. Works really hard when he's on the field. Very coachable. He's a great kid. You know, just eager to see us try to string together some days, you know, and, and hopefully we can do that. You know, hopefully, like I said, we're everybody's getting ready to play Thursday night, and uh, all the guys that are able will do that, and uh, hopefully Zamir will be in that category. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Josh McDaniels talking about Zamir White. It's Cofield, it's Adam. So Adam kind of stumbling and bumbling was intentional, I think. We were talking about the offensive line, you know, across from left tackle, and Adam was kind of hemming and hawing, which suggests to me that nothing is really settled with the players they have, that some help could be coming from the outside. So we'll follow that um, during the preseason. Because I agree with them. I think they're, they they have plenty of money, so... There's going to be some help available out there. So nothing settled yet. Debo Samuel got his deal done. A little under $25 million a year. Put this on the tease board. I don't love that deal. I don't love any of these wide receiver deals. I'm glad guys are getting paid, but man, I don't I don't understand structuring your team with, you know, $22 to $30 million wide receivers. And then one other note, I mean, is it going to matter long term? Probably not, but both Pete Carroll and Kyler Murray tested positive for COVID. They're, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it. I don't want to do the COVID stuff. I did, see but it. I think we know. I think we know what's going to happen here. There's going to there's going to be some a lot a good number of positives because you know people who are testing positive, right? Yeah. So I, I I actually did see a good Pete Carroll COVID joke though. Okay. It was. Uh, let's hope for his sake that he. Had his fourth booster, but knowing Pete Carroll, he probably settled for three. Wow. Stay healthy, Pete. Stay healthy. That's a good joke. Next up, we go out to one of the hosts in Cleveland, the fan in Cleveland, Garrett Bush. This has got to be a crazy day in Cleveland (laughs) because you got a six-game suspension. It's all over, but it's really not because now the NFL could come in appeal this whole thing so the drama continues with the Sean and the Browns. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We've seen the conclusion. We can see the statement. I would like to see the depositions. I would like to see the interviews with the women that this conclusion was based off of. And all of this is a little bit of a ruse if you're saying, here's our independent, you know, judge. Here's what she found without laying out any of the actual evidence that she had to look over. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Chris Budden, ESPN. A lot of people concerned about the process of this decision, and yet it's not over yet. Deshaun Watson, six games from Sue L. Robinson. I can only imagine what's going on in Cleveland right now. Garrett Bush is on the fan. He's part of the Lockdown Network as well. Covers the Browns. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing out there? We're good. Our heads are spinning right now because uh, we know in all likelihood this may not be done. So give me your initial reaction to six games, though. Well, um, you know, when I when I heard six, I, I was on record for saying when people used to ask me, um, I, I would say my thought process was he would get somewhere between four and six games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other people who came down on, on a little higher side at eight games. 
Um, however, um, when I look at the process and I, I look at uh, what, what went down in terms of uh, Sue Robinson, you know, being the main arbitrator of the case, uh, she took three weeks to look over the documents. She very asked for extra documents to kind of, you know, help prove uh, each of the individual cases. And, you know, what I started hearing, some of the rumblings that the league didn't present uh, too much information, or they they never had any. Um, and I believe the direct quote was uh, coercion or or violence or, or, or any force in, in in the testimonies. I thought the NFL was going to present way more, um, and I was kind of alarmed at that a little bit because I, I thought you know in the beginning the way Busby had the thing moving um, for a while it looked like Deshaun Watson was going to get an indefinite suspension or at least a year. Uh, and to have it come back all to be at uh, at six games, I think if you're a hardcore Browns fan, um, most of those individuals are uh, are excited that he's going to be on the field this year. Uh, and if you are, you know, more more of a French fan and just a casual on and looker at the NFL, you, you might have some questions as to whether or not six games was going to be enough. So there's so many directions to go, but I'll, I'll start with this one. Are those around the Browns and the fans looking at this is over? Because it feels like a lot of people are, are suggesting, hey, it's done. It's six games. Or are they thinking, okay, this process is a long way from being complete? Well, you know, I, I think this is kind of tempered. I don't think anybody is doing, doing jumping jacks at this moment. However, I, I think there is a little bit of conundrum that the league, the league does have. So the league does have a conundrum where, um, you look at it, uh, Roger Goodell wanted to be out of this process and not be in the line of fire, be known as the judge, jury, and executioner. And so he said, okay, let's go in and collectively bargain this, this uh, discipline policy or conduct policy in which, um, you know, you have somebody that's in the middle who's an unfair or, excuse me, a fair or unbiased arbitrator um, and a 25-year or 25 years on the bench judge who, who's done this before, who's had a lot of experience. So, you know, you, you come down to this process, both sides present their cases. And on one hand, uh, you, you want the appearance of being unbiased. You want the appearance of the whole process being above board. However, it's hard to sell that if you say, okay, well, we're going to give it to Sue Robinson, but if we don't like <laughs> the judgment we get, we're going to take it out of her hands, give it back to Roger Goodell, and then we'll give extra two games on top of that or whatever the decision you decide. It's hard to go that way uh, and then still be able to sell the fact that this was an equitable, fair, arbitrated, down-the-middle decision um, that was put out by somebody who's competent and done this for a while. In a case like this, there, there's going to be so much gray area. Uh, but I, I guess one of my questions, and I've been, you know, I guess being accused of being a Deshaun Watson homer for some of the stuff that I've talked about, but I also was very uncomfortable with the fact that the fans were so, you know, giddy to cheer for him today. Like that, that seems a little bit uncomfortable. Well, here, here's the facts. Um, generally speaking, um, when you deal in, in, in sports is a polarized, um, polarized uh, institution. Um, the people who usually go to training camps are, the diehard homers who are going to bleed brown and orange or bleed, uh, you know, Raiders, silver and black, or whatever the case might be. So in, in those time periods when those fans are cheering, they don't really represent, I would say, um, the, the I, I guess, the gray areas that a lot of fans and a lot of media members and a lot of other people 
um, kind of voice. You know, the people that I talk to on a daily basis on my radio show or where we are ultimately sports show or what, or people that interact with the podcast, um, they're a lot more conflicted. They, they say, Hey, G Bush, man, I, I love your show there. I, I, you know, I got three daughters. I mean, I want, one of them wants a Deshaun Watson jersey. What should I do? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't have any kids yet. <laughs> Good luck with that, man. Uh, <laughs> call me in the middle of the season, right? But no, I, I think there's that the uncomfortableness is always there when anytime somebody represents um, your organization or represents your team, there's there's certain things that people do that doesn't really reflect on you as an individual. So you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place of just loving your team and wanting to root for your team and want the best for your team, and then having to feel like you're justifying everything that those do, those people do individually on on a different level. I think that's a great point about the you know the level of hardcore fan that's at a training camp practice. But let's fast forward. First home game, he's introduced. What's the reaction? Well, I mean, it, first home game, and this is uh, this is probably well, it, it stays at. It stays at six games. Um, his first home game will be uh, following week against the Cincinnati Bengals on Halloween. <laughs> oh wow, what the irony, right? Uh, <laughs> so he'll he'll probably come in. And the reality about sports fans is they have a very short mind, a short attention span. Um, all depending on, on how the team is doing, but generally speaking, by October twenty something, it, it's. And this is what the NFL will probably want in terms of the storyline. Hopefully, the storyline has damped down to the point where it's just Deshaun Watson coming to play football. Fans will give him a cheer and then, and then basically judge what he does. Because to be in reality of the situation is uh, the Cleveland Browns are under a very tough microscope just for the simple fact that Deshaun Watson did, did uh, cost three first-round draft picks. He does have the biggest contract in, in, you know, league history as far as guaranteed dollars. And he's replacing a guy, Baker Mayfield, that is very popular still in some circles in Cleveland. So he's he has no favors uh, in terms of what he's up against, especially in a city um, like Cleveland, who has not won uh, in, in 40, 50, 60 years. Um, and now all of a sudden he's being, you know, hoisted to the spotlight as the guy who's going to take him to the quote-unquote promised land. So he'll get cheered, and I think after he gets cheered, he'll get a nice uh, round of applause or warm reception. But then after that, it turns into, okay, so what are you going to do? Are you going to be good or not? Because if he's not good, people will turn on him just as fast as as they cheered him. Deshaun Watson gets a six-game suspension. Garrett Bush reacting in Cleveland, 92-3, the fan. So you mentioned the massive contract. He's the CEO of a franchise now. After all this and all the info we have, do you trust his judgment to be at the well, top of the franchise? I mean, this well, is re- this is really interesting because we don't I mean we don't know him, and if he's changed, I assume he's learned a lesson. Well, I mean, if, if you can't, if you don't learn a lesson after this, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you if you ain't got it after this. Uh, you know, I always compare it to this. You know, um, and and I, I always tell people, yeah, you, you know. I, I, me, under no circumstances, I'm, I'm not condoning anything that Sean Watson did. As a matter of fact, if it was my mother, she would probably tell me, um, knowing her and my father, they would be like, hey, um, they gave you six games. We would have gave you 12 uh, just because of the simple fact that you made a lot of terrible decisions. And, like, e- even if it was consensual or even if you said what you said or did what you did, 
you know you can't have that type of behavior out in public or even at a business. So, uh, you know, you're not off the hook for that. Uh, I will say with, with Deshaun Watson is um, on the football field, um, you know, I've had an opportunity to, to kind of watch my practice a bit. Um, he, I mean, he's really good. Uh, I'll say that. I'll say that uh, as far as what he does on the field, as far as some of the stuff that he's able to explain, on the whiteboard, as far as his X and O's of football, I mean, he he has a, a genius level intellect in terms of the way he sees the game and the way he can explain the game and speak the game at a very microscopic level. Um, but that doesn't mean uh, that you don't have flaws as a human. And he, he had a lapse, of, uh, a, a few lapses of judgment. I would say more than a few, right? And I think you know, if he wants to regain his life, if he wants to. Um, hopefully become a productive member of society. He has to understand the way in that he was behaving himself isn't going to be conductive to a long career or conductive to just him becoming a better person overall. We talked about learning the lesson. I mean, if, if it's if it's in the ruling that he can only get massages at the team facility, does not anybody trust that he actually learned? If they have to mandate that? Well, I, I think at this point, I, so I, I would I look at it like this. The, the equivalent of him getting in trouble with a massage therapist is like the equivalent of you robbing a bank. And then, like, as soon as you get out, like, you go to a bank and you have, like, a, a ski mask and stocky cap. And you're like, I was just trying to get money out. <laughs> no, no, you should probably just go to the ATM. We don't want you inside the bank. We don't want you anywhere near the bank. As a matter of fact, just have a friend go to the bank for you. <laughs> if you can't, at this point, like, understand that, no, 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 this is this is what you need to do. Uh, you're not allowed going there. It's mandate. You know, they got a lot of different funny mandates. I mean, I can say the same thing about uh, Kyler Murray. If they tell you you have to be on your pad for four hours, should they have really probably given you all of the money that you wanted, right? Like, if you have to tell your franchise quarterback, hey, you have to study four hours, and if your contract is, is depending on that, there's a lot of funny things that there are in contracts now. Um, I, I think if the Browns are worried about him going back to massage parlors, this whole thing is going to be uh, 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 in very terribly. I'll say that. Garrett, great spot. We know you do your work on uh, 92.3 The Fan, but you're also on the uh, Locked On Network. Tell people about the podcast. Yeah, Locked On Browns. Um, it's just a podcast. Your team every day. Me and my uh, partner, Jeff Lloyd, we do a daily Browns podcast. We give you Pretty much uh, X's and O's, not the tabloid stuff like uh, it looks like with Deshaun Watson now, but uh, we usually just give X's and O's and it's meat and potatoes into the season every single day. You can catch that uh, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Awesome. That was a great spot. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you. There he is, Garrett Bush, Browns expert. Uh, let's see. One legal analyst on this, Daniel Wallach, said, uh, here's why the NFL may appeal Judge Robinson's decision could bar the league from imposing lengthy suspensions for, quote, nonviolent sexual conduct absent fair notice, uh, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, they may, worry, they may be worried about this setting precedent moving forward. So they're in a bad position now. National Football League's in a it, bad position. It would be ironic that them setting the precedent came back to haunt them, and now they're worried about this setting of precedent. I'll also say on the whole learning a lesson thing, that when you're an addict, like that's a lot to overcome. He was addicted. 
I mean, I've shared with you my theory on on what it was. So I know I don't know that it was. Addiction. But I'm saying from from his end, I think he was addicted to the rush. Whatever rush he got, that's what he was addicted to. And I listen. There are people who have sexual addictions. I guess you can go and get fixed at some point. But like, I have no idea. I don't. I don't. I don't know if this has taught him or if he's going to get the itch down the road. We we don't know. But the Browns have invested. They went. Freaking all in and invested in them, so this better work out from here. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Sending my condolences to the families of Bill Russell. You know, when I was a kid growing up in San Francisco, one of the first sports names that I heard, of course, Joe Lewis was the first, but it was Bill Russell playing across town, winning back-to-back NCAA championships for the University of San Francisco. And then he went to Boston where he won 11 uh, <laughs> world championships and uh, in the process became the first black coach in all of American major sports. Uh, the winningest team player of all time, Bill Russell. God bless you. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bang up, bang up. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Put your hand in there, Dave. Damn, damn, damn! In the stylings of Florida Evans. We have a lot to get to. I'm very frustrated. Damn, damn, damn. That was OJ on the way back about Bill Russell. A lot of good points. Well, on Bill Russell, I mean, he... I believe him. He probably was... So he has a lot of good points. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, earlier he said, hey, all decisions are final when it comes to judges. Let's just trust it and move on with Deshaun Watson. And we're like, I think you have, feels like you have, a, you know, a dog in the fight here. OJ's very sharp. Bill Russell, the greatest winner in organized sports history, professional sports history, major league sports history. Right? Yeah. But yeah, sure. Okay. I thought this one, I think it's worth an examination. I just don't know the numbers on this one. I saw Renee Graham say that she goes that fans in a city where Bill Russell played his entire unparalleled career routinely call Tom Brady the GOAT is such a tell about Boston. I was like, wow, okay. I mean, Boston has had its issues. Sure. And I implore everyone to watch as much material on the great Bill Russell as possible and what that guy had to endure yeah, playing professional sports and what he achieved in that city. But I'm not about, you know, to sit here and say that because some fans aren't old enough to remember the greatest winner in the history of the city, you know, ahead of Tom Brady that I'm not going to sit here and say they're all racist because they think Tom Brady is the goat. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can definitely make the argument of I mean, a lot of things do come down to race. I don't think that's one of them. Yeah. I think it's more, I think it's far more difficult to win the NFL now than it was to win in the NBA then. Okay, I think that's fair. So that I think that's the argument you would you would make in this case. Even I, who see race in almost everything, I don't think can can make that jump. I will go back to what OJ said, though. It just got me thinking of some of those legendary photos of the most prominent African-American athletes in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, Jim Brown, and then you know, you'd see a towering Bill Russell in the photo. And you'll remember that OJ at one point was asked, 
It was actually more than one point repeatedly to join the effort. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Exactly. So quite fitting that he talked about the significance of Bill Russell not only winning, but also becoming the first black coach in the history of the NBA. But, you know, OJ's getting a little old, too. He forgets things. Stick your hand in there, We'll just dude. move on. We'll go in the bag before you, uh, I don't know what you're going to say there. How'd you do with the storms? Survived. Okay, we got some We got some stories. You you struggled down at the Raiders facility. We'll get to those yeah. tomorrow. But what was it like down there? They had to end practice early? Yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 I, man, I saw. What day was this? Yes, uh, yesterday. Okay. What's today? Monday? Yeah. <laughs> All days. Are, I'm, like, I'm like out of it because I felt like I saw. Uh, videos and pictures and all this stuff of it just crushing people around the valley, and I felt like like where I lived got almost nothing as as compared. Yeah, like it, the massive downpours. I I don't know. I just we didn't get them. Got rain. Yeah, I feel like it was bad. Uh, certainly, the facility was bad, really bad yesterday for about a half hour, uh, and then a little bit later for like an hour. Uh, but the night, a couple nights earlier, I, I talked about, I think on the show, that I was on the strip and it was really bad down there. The night I was down there, I feel like it's just raining wherever I am. Unfortunately, uh, but yeah, it, it's that been black bad. cloud but that just follows Adam Hill around. A lot of people responded Literally. yesterday. A lot of people responded yesterday to the, what, you know, what a bunch of whips can't practice in the rain. It, it, it was nuts, first of all, yeah. and it was more the field conditions than anything else. And it's not like they like ended practice abruptly. Uh, they saw that it was coming. They skipped from period. You know, they have a schedule that they follow. They skipped from like period fourteen to eighteen. Did their last period and really almost timed it perfectly because I think they knew the radar and when the storm was coming in, so that they ended practice right when the storms came. But it was bad out there, and you can't just switch and go to the indoor facility. It's kind of a lot of things you have to move and switch things around. So we're like, just move inside. You have a bu-. okay. It's not that easy, and they were almost done anyway. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel oh, finally what's gets Debo Samuel. I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> finally gets his deal done. I don't know, man. I know this is the wave in the NFL. I, To me, building teams around, and Trey Lance doesn't make any money, so I guess yeah, it's the time to do it, but building teams around $24 million receivers, I like him. He's awesome. But you do but, it. But that said, at 24 mil, he, he's got to run the ball. It's what, right. That's one of the things he's good at, and I know it sucks for him for the wear and tear, but that's one of his great skills. He got incentives in the deal for rushing okay. and yards and touchdowns okay. and all that, but uh, you do it when you have a, a quarterback on a rookie deal that you don't really know about because then you find out before the end of the rookie contract for the quarterback if he really is something, and you don't have a situation like Sam Darnold where for years you said, well, he still might be something, but he's never had any weapons. Get the weapons, get everything in place around the guy, invest in that money, and then you know what you have. Check at Adam Hill, LVRJ, for all the Raiders updates on Twitter. At Steve Cofield, at ESPN Las Vegas. A lot of UNLV football with the early practices. By the way, tomorrow uh, we'll have some access to the Running Rebels with an open practice.